Starting to believe a little bit. Well, Hoynott's got the better of Buxton. Puts it into an area. Keo Zamora! Unbelievable! From the very brink of elimination! Hello guys and welcome to the third episode of the Our Insights podcast. Today we're going to be giving a run through of both the Norwich and Ipswich clashes which despite both ending in 1-0 defeats actually had a lot more positives to take away in comparison to the opening day defeat at Watford. To talk through it all, today I'm joined by Jake Spencer. How are you doing today mate? Yeah, all good mate. Hoping we would have had at least one goal to talk about or a point even but you know, it is, it is what it is. Not been a great week. No, not been the best so we're going to have to go a bit more in depth to find things to speak about, which um, we've got planned, um, some tactical breakdowns. But before we get into that, just a little overview of Norwich, a couple of stats. So again, it was an improvement on possession. We we recorded 37% possession midweek and completed 226 passes, which topped what we got away at Cardiff, um, where we had 35% and completed 216 passes. So it was an improvement. And you've got to take into consideration the quality of the two teams that were playing. Um, I feel like we had a weaker side out compared to Norwich. And the kids did well. How well did they do, Jake? Yeah, I was I was really pleasantly surprised if that's one takeaway I had from that game. Because I, I, I left the game really happy with what I'd seen. And then I sort of watched it back and I realised, you know what, we actually weren't very good at all. But the one positive that I could take was watching a few of the kids play. You know, Dixon, Bonner and Coley were absolutely fantastic in my opinion. No, agreed. I, I, I'm um, quite a big fan of Collie, um, but I didn't actually expect Dixon Bonner to play quite as well as he did. And yeah, like you said, I left that game probably feeling the best I've ever felt after seeing us concede so late, um, which was pretty rogue. But it was just I saw those team sheets and expected to be watching us lose by yeah a considerable margin. But left, yeah, left with a good performance and the kids for 98 minutes, they held their own. Um, but you, yeah, you've said you watched it back. Maybe maybe it was a little bit of optimism um, clouding the performance just because it was younger guys playing. But I'll move back on to Dixon Bonner. I know you were pretty optimistic about his performance on Twitter. Do you want to chat a bit more about that? Yeah, I, I really, really like him. Um, and personally, I, I really think he's ready for the first team. I, my main issue there would be where he exactly slits it, uh, slots in. You know, if, if you're playing two central midfielders, he doesn't necessarily get in ahead of Field or Dizelle. So, you know, you've got a possible option of Field playing in the back three, a bit like he did uh, against Norwich. Uh, and that would leave Dizelle and, and Dixon Bonner in midfield. I think he really just has a lot of different attributes that could benefit the team. So he's very, he's very good physically. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll make runs in behind uh, dykes for flick-ons. He can come short. He's good on the ball. Um, he's, he presses well. Um, and I think I'm going to get uh, a bit of abuse for this on Twitter, but I really see him in that sort of, you know, that round doiter, Thomas Miller position, uh, sort of charging forward, um, especially when you've got you know, not so many runners off dykes. Dykes is playing for his flick-ons. You really I can see him exploiting the space quite well. 
So you caught a few pelters for using a foreign foreign term uh, midweek. Yeah, yeah. You just used another one. Do you want to define yeah. that just for <laughs> people who might not know what a roundoiter is? Yeah, so you got Thomas Thomas Muller is your ar- archetypal uh, roundoiter, and it, it's it's essentially someone that's just going to look to play in space. So if the space is in behind the striker, that's that's where they go. If the space is coming short to to receive the ball. That's where they go. So it's really, really looking at players to have a lot of different good attributes. So they're able to take it to feet. They're able to run in behind. They've got those physical attributes. They've got those technical attributes. And I, I'm really, really bullish on, on Dixon Bonner's prospects in that respect. Yeah, I think I think it actually translates as like space seeker or some, something like that. Round something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the space is definitely in it in the, in the literal translation. But so he... He played as one of the two tens right behind um behind Dykes, who unfortunately got injured, but he played there. And it was the same out of possession 5-4-1 that we saw against Cardiff with T- uh, Taylor Richards and Dixon Bonner dro- Dixon Bonner dropping back. And I think he did it well both in and out because you've hu- you bigged him up there. His mobility is really good. Um he's a rangy player, um gets about the pitch well. I think he showed that when he came on. Um, on Saturday, which we'll get on to later. But yeah, and I think his versatility is pretty useful as well. I'm not quite as hot on him as you are. I, I do think he's decent. And I think out of all of the fringe players, he's probably so far stepped up the most to show that he's kind of ready. Um, I do think I prefer him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, I think, he has to, I think he has to. I think he has to because... Um... I mean, when I when I watched him against against Norwich, I was just thinking this this kid's amazing. Was he like 18, 19? And, and I realised he was twenty two. So mm. yeah, he, he really has to be looking to to make his name in the first team now. Yeah, he's got to. And I think he was even quite well regarded at Liverpool when he was breaking through. I think Klopp actually used him used him in a few games, and I think a bit deeper. I think as one of the eights um, in their four three three, and he was getting on the ball quite well when I watched some stuff back of him there. And again, I think it was just in that final third, he put some good disguise on things. Like you said, he was finding space and looked quite neat and tidy. I think a bit deeper. I I blamed him when I left the ground for the goal on Saturday, but um don't want to speak too much about Saturday right now. But I watched it back and it wasn't really his fault. I thought it was a do- dodgy touch, but it wasn't really. So yeah, technically good. Versatile, pretty mobile. It's um, yeah, not not too bad. I think the other person who I thought did quite well out of all of the um, fringe players, not Collie, although we can get onto him later. I thought Larkesh was decent down that left. I didn't think he was anything necessarily to write home about, but where we were so starved in that left back position for years with Nico, it was quite nice to see someone who. Thought he defended well, looked quite physical, looked to get on. Every time we won the ball, he would be bombing on down that left-hand side. So I thought, yeah, I thought he was decent. Um, yeah, I don't know if you had any other standouts from midweek. Yeah, well, uh, on Lakesh, La- 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 um, I like his confidence, considering he hasn't played much first-team men's professional football. He's not afraid to you know, make a big tackle or get stuck in. Uh, he's not afraid to take his man on either. Um, so, you know, that that did have a few negatives as well. So he gave the ball away a few times in our own half, like trying to take someone on, uh, which wasn't yeah. ideal. So I, I kind of see him maybe a bit further up the pitch in possession. 
Um, but you know, there's still a lot of room to grow. As a, he's not played much much professional football at all. Um, beyond that, I've been pretty excited about Duke McKenna, um, only as a bench player, really. But I think he does bring a new dynamic when he comes on the pitch. Uh, I wouldn't see him starting too many games, but he, he's you know he's he's quick. He gets stuck in. Um, I mean, he, he'll put a good cross in. You can run in behind. Again, not a starter, but certainly someone that I'd be very happy with in the in, in the squad. Yeah, he has got energy. That's that's for sure. He does get about really. Um, but Larkesh, yeah, like you said, gave it away a couple of times. I think sometimes he he looked to take on his man by just like knocking it beyond him, and I don't actually think he's quite got the pace for that. So it was almost just a little bit naive, like take care of the ball a bit more. But then there was, like you said, a couple of strong challenges. There was one in the second half where they looked to be on the break and, you know, he really got in there um, and stopped the counter, which was pretty good. And then the well, field was brilliant, I thought, midweek other than the goal. But the final note I've got written down here is Dezel, um, which will which leads nicely on to Saturday because I thought he had a great game there. So we'll speak about Dezel in a second. But on to Ipswich, despite not scoring, we actually generated almost as much XG as we did the following week when we scored twice versus Cardiff. We generated 1.15 XG versus the 1.35 we created there. So looking at that, we have been pretty unlucky not to come away with a goal. I don't know how you how you felt about that. There's a couple of big chances, weren't there? Yeah, I, I guess it's slightly skewed because you've got that 87% Kakai chance, which, you know, another day that doesn't fall to him, sort of going out for a throw-in, hit the defender, came right to him. Uh, I'd say Ipswich probably created more chances, but, you know, we I guess we created the better ones. Um, and there's, you know, there's a mixture of of bad finishing and a bit of variance. So you look at the first half, you've got Sinclair's shot that hits both posts. It's just unlucky, isn't it? Second half, you're looking at sort of bad decision-making, uh, he beats his man, gets to the sort of left side of the six-yard box, heavy touch, probably should square it the chair. And those are the sort of the, the little the, the little decision-making things that, that are the difference between scoring and not scoring. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Um, that Kakai one was huge. And then I wonder what the XG was on the one where he hit both posts, because that was from a pretty tight angle, so it can't have been much, but... There were a few chances. Um, one that you didn't speak about was uh, I was right behind the goal, so I quite enjoyed it. But Steve Cook's bicycle kick from the corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just looks like he should never be backing that out. Um, well, he did it before, yeah. didn't he? For um, Was it Forrest or Bournemouth? He's, I think he scored one of those before. Now you say it, I feel like I, I do remember seeing it. But just still, you look at him and you think, like, you know, he looks like he should have no sort of acrobatics in his locker. And then he's just, he's pulled that out and it made me a bit annoyed that I'm not able to do that, to be honest, um, seeing Steve Cook try that. But on term, in terms of just overall performance, performance, don't want to keep banging on about possession, but for everyone who hasn't been aware, Gareth Ainsworth has changed his style of play since uh, Watford, which has has worked. Whether you agree with a manager changing their style of play because of one heavy loss, I think it was bigger than that. I think end of last season, there wasn't much buy-in. I think it just needed a few tweaks and to go for more of a mixed style. But we did register 
38% possession, which was an improvement on the 37% against Norwich and an improvement on last weekend. And Ipswich tried to keep the ball. So, yeah, I think if we had played the same way we did against, let's say, Burnley or even just Watford, where we obviously set out with that game plan, we, we would have barely touched the ball. So it's nice to see a stronger performance. Um, and how does it rank for you amongst the first three yesterday? Would you say, well, obviously we know Watford's the worst, but compared to Cardiff, how would you rank yesterday's performance? So it's hard to compare. There, there were, you know, there were positives for me and there were negatives. I mean, the main problem that we had to solve was having no dikes in there. And I don't think we solved it very well. Uh, we had Begovic from from possession. He, he he's he's so so accustomed to just going long first time to Dykes every time, and not having him there was a pretty big problem because he he didn't seem to switch it up. He was just doing the same thing. He was sort of floating it onto Armstrong's head, Collie's head, and the ball was just coming straight back to us. And I, I'm not suggesting that we need a goalkeeper like Edison, but if you, I don't know if you watched the Burnley Man City game, first game of the season. When Edison got the ball, it was just straight into Haaland's feet every time, low-drilled passes. And, like, I feel like someone like Seni Dieng is very capable of making those passes. Yeah. And Begovic didn't really, didn't really switch it up at all. I think every time we had, we had, um, had good chances coming from the back, it was, it, was, it was Fox and Cook putting in balls over the top that, that Armstrong could run, run onto. And Begovic wasn't even really doing that. It was still just getting floated onto his head every time. Mm. Uh, so that was probably my main issue from that game. I felt, yeah, I felt on a couple of occasions his distribution was poor. There was one where he tried to bowl out, I think, to Colback in the second half and we got, got intercepted. One thing I noticed, yeah, he, um, which I didn't think you touched on there, was I felt from goal kicks, we pushed Kakai right up to almost the halfway line and tried to use him as the target, which, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you spotted that. It's it sometimes I think it worked a couple of times in the first half, um, almost just to generate like a transition from a goal kick. If he can win the flick on down that channel for Smith to go onto, I think it worked once or twice. Other times didn't work out. I think one time um, he's had the ball to feet and he's tried to clip one over to Powell's feet and it's gone straight out of play. So that's the trade off really with him. Versus Seni Dieng. Seni Dieng, not quite as good at shot stopping um, as Begovic. I thought Begovic actually probably stopped a couple more going in on the weekend. But Dieng's distribution was one of the one of the best in the division. So yeah, that's that was one of the trade offs. But going on to the shape, we spoke about the shape against Cardiff, and we spoke about the shape against Norwich. It was slightly different against Ipswich yesterday and we had a little debate um, earlier on Twitter trying to decide and it is tricky to see but to me it looked like this time the two playing off of Armstrong on this occasion weren't dropping back into a four I think they were sharing the responsibility of marking one of their double pivots so um, Sam Morsey, Sammy Morsey and Matamu Luangu. So it's more like a 5 2 2 1. And some people aren't too fussed about these sorts of things, but I thought it's interesting to see quite a clear tweak from Ainsworth, who a lot of people get onto and 
whether this worked, you can you can debate. But I felt in the first half this really worked. And I I watched a bit back and there was a couple of screenshots where you see Willock coming over and as the ball's gone wide, Chairs has gone out to their right back and Willock's come in to tuck onto the pivot. So it was more, we were actively pressing, I felt, rather than sitting off. And I th- I think we just needed, or uh, Ainsworth felt we needed to stop their two holding midfielders having a load of time on the ball. So for you, did you notice the tweak and how do you think it worked? And we'll get on to the second half because I think it um yeah it changed, didn't it? So anyway, how how did you how did you see that? Yeah, it kind of remind reminded me of how we used to look out of possession under Nick Bill, where we try and sort of block central passing lanes and use triggers when the ball would go to the left or right back and sort of keep keep them wide. I think I was kind of impressed with Armstrong's. Uh, intelligence in the press, perhaps even compared to Lyndon Dykes. So Dykes often makes very straight run to the goalkeeper, which gives him two options to go left or right. Makes it quite easy for him. Armstrong really angles his runs, sort of shielding shielding one way, which I was quite impressed by. I thought first half with with Chair and Willock, we we did look we did look like we were nullifying them in possession. Uh, it was different story second half. Uh, when Colback came on, because I felt that the the distances between our pressing lines were very disjointed. So you often had either Armstrong or Coley trying to like press three people at the same time, and they were just playing around him. I would have much rather seen no no high pressing. Get um, I don't know maybe Chair and Coley together in like a five three two pressing their double pivot that way, because uh, mm-hmm. I just felt they were playing out of playing out of press so easily, um, and yeah sort of last 20 minutes just bombarding our goal pretty much as a result. It was disjointed, right? And whether that comes down to the fitness, which a lot of people on Twitter have been speaking about, that we look shattered after 60. And whether it... I mean, it probably does come down to that or comes down to the mindset, oh, we've taken off an attacking player for a slightly more defensive one when we took off Willock for Colback. Maybe, uh, maybe that was... the what happened just a mindset thing but we definitely did we definitely did sit off them um but collie sorry just coming back to what you said back there armstrong ang- angling his run that's something i've noticed collie does quite well and unfortunately for him both times when he's come on we haven't been pressing as a unit quite as well as you just touched on but i thought his intelligence to cut off one side when he goes to press. And like you said, Armstrong did. And not only is that good for the team, but it's saving their energy. And Armstrong, although he's cramped up at like 60, 70 minutes on both um, both of the most recent games, he has been more effective up until that moment, I felt. Whereas last season, I quite distinctly remember when we played against Wigan at home, he started... And even before halftime, he was just screwed because he'd just been going at 100 miles an hour the whole time. And then I I think both against Cardiff and this weekend, he just was sort of choosing his moments better to go and press or to run in behind. And yeah, it's quite promising to see and see that from Collie as well, sort of playing with intelligence. And hopefully that's something that uh, Ainsworth's worked on them, worked on them, with them on so yeah I, I don't know if you notice 
Collie doing the same thing when he came on or not? Yeah, well, I mean, just going back to Armstrong, ultimately, you could still grab him up and have to go off in the 60th minute or whatever. Yeah. So there's so much progress has been made there. But yeah, I thought, as you said, I thought Coley's pressing was intelligent, intelligent, but it was just so disjointed. He was, he was doing the job of three people at once and it wasn't working. And that sub, that sub at halftime, we sort of touched on it slightly earlier, but when it happened and after like the first five minutes of the second half, I was thinking, surely this can't have been tactical with Willock because it just, it just killed us. I think Willock had a decent, decent first half, but the shape looked like it sort of changed. Colback wasn't really comfortable enough to go and play in the same role that Willock did out of possession, almost dropping back a bit. They had more time on the ball. It really did kill us. Um, and we found out after the game, it was just because Willock was shot at 45 and they they didn't want to risk him, which, you know, is it good news? Is it not? I mean, at least he wasn't injured because um, I, I feel I think Willock's going to end up staying, to be honest. I think Chair's going to be the one to go. But yeah, it was, um, was a shame because that first half, we were really in it and we were mixing it. And although we had a couple of chances second half, I feel like, they were by far the better side. So it was a shame that that squad depth wasn't... Yeah, I, I'd say the squad depth because although Colback is a strong guy to have on the bench, he's not a like-for-like -like replacement for Willock and he doesn't enable us to play in the same way that was working. And yeah, this I, I don't know what you make of our current depth and where do you think we need to strengthen... Yeah, well, I mean, just first of all, on that half-time change, we're playing against a team that's pressing high, leaving a load of space in behind. And we've taken off someone that can run and exploit that space and, and put in someone that's just going to play in the middle. So, I mean, you're losing a lot of um, attacking impetus there. Um, just on just a, a, another point on Colback, just quickly. Uh, he, he seems very left-footed to me, like weirdly yeah. so, to the point where I don't know if you've had a look at like a passing, I haven't had a look at a passing map, but it felt like, because he was playing on the right side of that of that midfield, and it felt like every single pass he made was still just to the right wing. I, I'd quite like to see him maybe play on the left next time, because it was just so one-dimensional the way he was playing there. Mm. Yeah, I, there, was one, there was one where I think he'd won it back, and he was on that left wing, and no, sorry, on that right wing. And all it needed was a right-footed pass down the line to, I think it was Paul Smith in, ahead of him. And then Paul Smith would have been one uh, one versus one against the fullback, could have had a go at them. He's run around the ball because he's not comfortable to kick it on his right. And then I think he's he's played it back to Fox under pressure and we've lost the ball just on the edge of our box. So, yeah, I I did notice how one-footed. Did, did you notice that happening, that that moment. Yeah, but do, do you know what? I, I think that might have that might have been Fox. I, I can't remember entirely. I, I thought that was Fox at the time that did that, not Colback. But uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Okay, maybe I'm putting him in the mud. But there was someone who was too left-footed. Actually, yeah, I think it might have been Fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Colback, but hopefully he's not he's not watching. But we mentioned Paul Smith there. He hasn't got much airtime this week. He had a great performance last week against Cardiff, but he wasn't quite as effective last or um, yesterday against Ipswich. Why do you think that was? I mean, first of all, I, I really like him. I, I think he's proven so far to be a good signing. He'll just hug the touchline. 
he gets stuck in. He'll, 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 he'll um, run in behind uh, for the balls over the top. And I think a lot of it comes comes down to our, our play from the back. So we weren't really finding him enough with those sort of cross-field diagonals. Um, when you've got Dykes in alongside him, it's a lot easier for Dykes to flick on if Smith can get near to him. But the ball was just coming back at us so often that Smith wasn't really wasn't really able to get into the game. You've also got the uh, the Ipswich wingers um, sort of pinning him a fair bit um, in their sort mm. of forty-three-one shape, so he wasn't able to you know, get up the pitch quite as often as I imagine he would have liked to. Yeah, first half he was so deep, so deep because yeah, they did they they pinned him back and. I think it made it clear that out of possession, he's definitely playing as a wing back. But you, yeah, you'd like to see him get forward. And I think there was one, one other bit where he didn't get into a game, into the game. I felt that one of the or part of our game plan was Kakai to try and knock one in behind uh, for Paul Smith, and we tried it sort of three or four times in that first half, and we kept under hitting the pass. And even at the level I played Sunday league. Um, before I went to uni, they would always be saying like, you cannot under hit these passes if you're going to try and turn them because then you just have pressure coming straight back onto you. If you're going to try and knock one in behind, you've got to over hit it rather than under hit it. And there were a few occasions, although Kakai did okay yesterday, just that sort of his technical ceiling is pretty low and those passes he should be making. I don't, I don't want to slate him because he was... He was decent, but it's those small things that you think if you get an upgrade there or, I mean, Jake Clark Salter's obviously left-footed, but say he was playing there, he's going to make those passes. So it was a shame. And you could see him, he was getting a bit frustrated. He didn't really get the ball to feet very much, which obviously he wants. He wants it to feet and beat his man. So it's a shame, but not quite as much of a strong performance from him. And... He was part of the reason why our goal threat was lower. And speak about the lack of goals, only Borough and Huddersfield have underperformed their XG worse than us. So we should have had, I think it's 2.9 goals. Obviously, you can't have 2.9. So let's say three. We're stuck on two goals. We've underperformed it. Borough and Huddersfield are much worse than us. So we've underperformed by 0.9. I think they've underperformed by like two or three. But still, we do need a striker. We can't underperform our XG all season, really. You need you need someone to be tucking it away. And it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about like creating a roster of players that have different attributes, we really are missing that sort of Charlie Austin type penalty box striker who's just gonna get goals when the when the game state dictates it. Um, that is definitely somewhere that I, I think we should be looking to buy. I, I was a pretty big advocate for giving him another year last year. I got a lot, of, a lot of stick for that as well. But I really feel that when... I mean, it didn't necessarily happen on Saturday. Ipswich never really went too deep. But there are a lot of games where the opposition is going to go deep when they're holding on to a 1-0 lead. And you need a Charlie Austin-type player who's going to stick it in the net. And we, we absolutely don't have that. You know, Dykes, he's good in the air, whatever. He's not a goal scorer. That is absolutely what he is not. Yeah, I agreed. And yeah, one point you made there, which I really noticed, was they did not sit off Ipswich. They they just refused to. And it made me jealous because when we're trying to see out a one-goal lead, we just sit back and invite it on. 
it felt like they were chasing the game. I've never seen eight minutes played out as well as they did, or seven minutes, I think it was. They were just relentless. It felt like we didn't even get a chance in those eight minutes, which is just, you don't see that when you're chasing a lead. So fair play. Kieran McKenna seems like a pretty good manager, very well drilled. And it's nice to see a team be like that. Obviously, I wish it was us. But the way I see football, I, I like teams that want to go and attack. Um, shame we couldn't hit them on the counter at all, but it is what it is. Are there anything you've noticed about Ipswich before we move on to a couple of the comments from the game on Twitter? No, yeah, I just thought they were a really good, well-rounded team. You know, they could play through the middle, they could play on the wings, just a really good squad. Wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top six. I think top two is going to be too much of a push. I still see um, Leicester and Southampton taking those spots, but, you know, Definitely could be in the playoffs. Agreed. Agreed. I saw someone last week say they're one of the best at creating artificial transitions, which I sort of thought, cool, that's a bit, it's a bit of a fancy word. Like, you know, is that really a thing? How far is analysis going? But when you actually watch it, it makes sense. Like they they baited the press so well. At times we'd have like when Colback came on, we'd have Colback and Dazelle like really high trying to win it back one pass out and then it's like they're on the counter with the with the space that they made in behind or in behind our midfielders. They just go. And as soon as it hits one of those three in behind the striker, they're off. And I was, yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with them. And you can tell he's a good manager. So fair play to Ipswich. I'd agree, I think, in and around the top six. So, because we, we could have had them, really. We could have had them, but they were a good side. So, yeah, but going on to a couple of, opinions from people on Twitter there's what well, we didn't get to speak about Dazelle so this is a good chance um someone said Duke McKenna is better than Dazelle and I've just got to say if you put every all of their attributes out the only two things that Duke McKenna would have over him are speed and kicking people and I don't think those two equate to being a better footballer and I think Dazelle has been pretty good the last well he's put three good performances in over over the span of a week right so yeah I'm slightly starting to believe in Dazelle again but I don't know what your take is on that Duke McKenna shout first of all why are we comparing Duke McKenna and Dazelle Duke McKenna is not going to play as a sitting number six spraying passes about Dazelle is not going to play as a number eight running in behind you know so seems Bit of a pointless uh, argument in that sense. Um, in terms of who I'd want to see on the pitch at QPR, Bizzell all day of the week. Okay. No, but I think they they did play similar roles. Like in the, I felt that Field and Dizel on Wednesday or uh, yesterday, sorry, against Ipswich were just like were just a two in the middle, and one sometimes one would go, some sometimes the other. Like Dizel was high at points, no. Did you not feel that was? I, I, my, I did. No, I didn't spot that. I felt that. Well, he wasn't crazy high, but if you look at where chairs hit the crossbar, I think Dazelle's nicked it back, and he's hit a couple one twos, like being one of our higher players up there. I mean, he wasn't crazy high, but yeah, okay, maybe it's not a fair comparison. But I, I just won't have that. Duke McKenna's better than Dazelle, and Dazelle gets probably too many pelters, especially at the minute. Like last season, I sort of got it. If he was if he was ghosting, but I'm still seeing after yesterday a load of hate, like, oh, he's the worst player at the club. 
it's just it's stupid. Someone said he was bot- bottling it. I thought he was snapping into challenges yesterday. I don't know about you. Maybe he was more fired up. But I think what they're doing is working with him. And someone on Twitter um, um speak to regularly said it would be poetic for Gaz to solve Dazelle. Out of all the managers, imagine if the one who's everyone thinks is direct long ball is the one to solve this sort of technical number six. It just... Yeah, it, it would be poetic. Um, moving on from that, we've spoken about goal scorers, but yeah, Paul here has said we need a proper goal scorer. Um, one, we've got three three from Jake. Willock needs to go. Desperately need a right back. And Dazelle will improve now there's competition for his spot. So the final one we sort of discussed, we agree on, but Willock needs to go. What's your What's your opinion on that? I mean, he needs to go if we're going to get two million for him, and we're going to reinvest that. We're not going to reinvest two million. I'll keep him at the club. You know, he's he's started. He's 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 in our best eleven players. He's probably the most talented player at the club. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be selling him at all, especially in this supposed relegation battle, which we're probably going to be in um, if we're not going to reinvest that money. Yeah, no, I I'd agree. If we manage to get him to sell, uh, sign a new contract, I. I would say let's keep him, but I don't know how likely that is. If Chair is to go, I would personally rather Chair go if we can get like five or six for him. And then after that can reinvest, hopefully have enough to get Willock to sign a new deal. I've heard, and even from the interviews, I think you can tell it, I think Gareth wants Willock to stay. Um don't hold me accountable if he goes goes to leave, but I think he wants him to stay. So, would you would you sell chair for five million if we got it? Never, no way. We sell chair for five million. We'll invest, reinvest maximum two million, and you're not going to get a player anywhere near as good as Elias Chair for two million. If chair goes, I'd be wanting at least ten mil. Seriously? Yeah, I wouldn't be selling him for less than that. Um. I just I just don't think he's that sort of player. I think in terms of reinvesting as well, we I think we need to clear a few more million. So it's like to even spend a penny, we've got to clear a certain amount. So we we shall see. But on that, I think let's end it there. Slight bit of potential exclusive news. I think chair might go this week, but We'll see. We'll see. I've heard there's interest from Southampton and also Leicester. So watch that space. But yeah, again, don't hold me too accountable. But Jake, thank you very much for coming on. Um, really enjoyed your input. Hope you hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. Really enjoyed it. Top man, top man. Anyway, right, on to Southampton away. Come on, yours. Yours. <laughs> 